Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and joining me today is Jim Bilodeau, one of the people behind an ambitious idea called the Museum Project. Welcome. Hello. Uh, This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, a new member-supported home for local journalism created with the community and not just for it. And you'll hear more about that later in the show. Okay, Jim, so tell me, what are you making? The best way to tell you what I'm making is I'm going to explain where we're sitting right now. Sure. We are in a little room filled with echo foam, so we have a nice clear sound with microphones and a nice little computer, and the room across from us has the exact same little room, but it has a man playing guitar and putting out his music. Imagine a facility with 30 of these rooms. Uh Imagine a facility with four giant green screens where people could come in and do studio magic. Imagine a facility with 10 editing rooms that would allow local Edmontonians, local Albertans to come in and create social media projects. That's what the museum project is all about. Getting new media, getting social media influencers a space to develop and create new works. Excellent. So how did you come up with this idea? Well, we're sitting in the reason we came up with this idea. (laughs) We're at the Stanley Milner Library right now, and they have these two lovely rooms where people can rent and borrow for free and come in and do podcasts or come in to do audio. And I've used them. I've used the facilities here. It's a lovely facility, but it's crowded. And people would love to have a green screen where they could go into their own area and film and video and get the sound from the video. You can't do that here. It's too crowded. The museum, the old Glenora Museum, is about to be emptied for the new museum. It has what I would consider the perfect setup for putting in a social media influencer incubator. It has large rooms that can't really be divided up any way to turn into office space or classroom. They're too big for that. They're too small to turn into uh, fringe studios. Right. But they're perfect to set up a green screen or perfect to set up studio space for someone. It has a beautiful big elevator that can be used to bring up props and bring down props. It's almost exactly designed. I don't even have to say almost. It is exactly designed to be a studio where social media people could come in and start an entire new generation, an entirely new industry. Interesting. And this idea is coming at a time where we're a little bit uncertain about whether that building is going to survive because there there was an RFP put out for demolishing it, which caused quite an uproar. Is this part of the effort to save the building as well? Yes. The, 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 one of our primary goals is to save the building. And that's the other great reason why a, um, a social media complex would be fantastic in there because we would almost have to do no changes whatsoever. The great thing about setting up a studio to set up a, a scene to film something is that entire thing can be taken down and it's all self-standing. So the walls, nothing needs to really be touched. Right. So we would put everything up, take everything down, and the museum would stay pristine. Right. The, the, one of our primary objectives is to save the museum. On your website, there's also reference to a, a, what they call a tube space in Toronto. So tell me more about the inspiration there. Well, YouTube's figured it out. Google's figured it out that 
social media is going to be the next great influencer, the next great industry of the world. It is going to – it's already a multi-billion dollar industry. There, there are people who are making millions and millions of dollars on social media right now. Google has started to set up things called YouTube spaces. And the objective of these YouTube spaces allow people like you, influencers in cities, influencers in provinces, to get together and to help each other out, to try out different ideas, to have the space to try out different ideas, to collaborate. Right. To collaborate on something new. And and what YouTube has found is that if you have two people who have 10,000 followers each and you put them together, you get two people with 15,000 followers each. Right. It's a wonderful way to build your audiences. So we now have a YouTube in Toronto. But the YouTube in Toronto is about 3,500 square feet. Their flagship, the YouTube in L.A., is about 44,000 square feet. I want to make Edmonton the world complex for social media and YouTube with a 100,000 square foot facility dwarfing every other facility in the world. This will bring in people for the YouTube LA space has already become a major tourism facility where people are coming in because, well, there's two people coming in. There are a lot of YouTube celebrities who come in and people want to meet their favorite stars on YouTube now. And there's a lot of people who are saying this would be a great place to start my YouTube career. And so with that, there are thousands of tourists coming into L.A. to try to get into the YouTube space L.A. A 100,000 square foot facility, the world's largest facility for social media development and social media collaboration will bring thousands of people and young people, entrepreneurial people, enthusiastic people who are looking to set up a livelihood in an industry somewhere. So for the city, it's a win. For the province, it's a win. For the museum, it's a win. For northern communities, they want their stories told. Right. And a place like this would allow them to come down and tell their stories in a central location. Yeah. Where do you think the money would come from to operate it? For the most part, there would be two major places the money would come from. One is we would supply training, and the training, the courses would come at a cost. And so that would bring in money for the facility. The second place is sponsorship. We would get a lot of sponsorships online, and we would get a lot of sponsorships from major companies. And I think from that, there'd be more than enough. I don't think we'd have to have really any government money, but I think that it would be nice if the provincial government chipped in just to do some renovations to keep the building up. Mm -hmm. Because the building's getting wore out, but it's still in mint shape, really. But it needs a new roof. It needs a few minor things on it. Right. Uh, so how can people help make this happen? Well, right now we have the museumproject.ca. That is a good place to go to start. The next place to go would be Facebook. We have the Museum Project group on Facebook and the Museum Project page on Facebook. That's where we're putting out most of our information right now. Do you need people to follow you or sign something or what do you need? We need, right now, we're looking for followers. Right. But we're also looking for any type of shareable media. Mm -hmm. Even if you uh, take a selfie of yourself with a little sign that says, I support the museum project. That would be wonderful and send that to me. We would love to share that out. Or a little Instagram saying, hey, I support the museum project. Let's bring social media to Edmonton. That would be fantastic as well. Anything that is social media influencing would be lovely for us. Okay. You teach IT at Nate. 
Um, so my observation of IT guys from the outside looking in is sometimes they're resistant to social media. I, maybe that's not a fair uh, stereotype, but do you think that's the case and why aren't you? IT people are not resistant to social media. We just don't want to be in social media. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I have no interest. This is not for me. I'm not doing this because I want to become a giant social media star. Yeah. I'm doing this for all the young people that I meet at Nate right. who all do want to take the shot at becoming social media stars, at making something of their art and of their work. This, is, this isn't for me. I, uh, Karen sees me, but you guys can't. <laughs> I have what my mother calls a face for radio, and and Your that's why I agreed that. to do this podcast with you. Well, and there is a lot of amazing talent that you must get to witness in its earliest stages developing at Nate. Yes. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. The, the, the people that come into Nate and are... So diverse culturally, for starters, you meet so many people from all over the world, and you meet so many different types of talent from all over the world. And I have the pleasure of working at the digital media and IT uh, department at Nate, and you meet people who are both going into game programming and people who also want to go into broadcasting. So there's such a diverse range of talents that I meet. It's, it's just amazing. What's next for the project then? Just gathering that social proof that people are interested in and and do you need to persuade anybody yet that you to let you do it? Right now, yeah, right now we're in the gathering phase. Absolutely. Yeah. Right now we're trying to build followers. So the more followers we can get, the happier we are. Once we're there, we're going to have out some papers and a few other things to talk to some of the influencers in the government and see if we can uh, catch an ear somewhere along the lines. We already are talking to a few people, but um, for right now, yeah, the big thing we're looking for is uh, followers. And we very soon, we've just become a not-for-profit organization. We'll be looking for donations. We need donations to help uh, do Facebook ads and stuff like that to help yeah. bring in more followers. Yeah, excellent. Okay, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, ask Jim about the local blogs or podcasts or YouTube channels that he recommends. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, the new source of curiosity-driven stories about our city cultivated by the community. You've heard quite a bit about it on previous episodes, and if you missed those, I'll link to my previous chat with my co-founder, Mac Mail, in the show notes. But today I wanted to sneak in with an update to let you know that our first story is almost ready to publish, or maybe has been published by the time you listen to this. It's about the deer who live just off 23rd Avenue, completely surrounded by the city. Local writer Mel Priestley did a masterful job of answering the question that was posed by Taproot member Susie Sykes, and we can't wait to share it with you. Watch taprootedmonton.ca for the story, and if you would like to see more such stories, please join so you can contribute to the fund that pays our writers, ask questions, show your curiosity about other members' questions, and generally contribute to a new way of doing local journalism. You can join at taprootedmonton.ca. That's T-A-P-R-O-O-T edmonton.ca. So we're back with Jim. What local blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels, local media do you like? 
I'm going to turn this around a little bit and go with something completely new. Sure. I'm going to go with Twitch TV. Ah, interesting. Okay. Twitch TV. I'm going to tell you about two people. One girl out of Calgary uh-huh. and another girl out of rural Alberta. Uh-huh. One is K-Pike Fashion. What she does is she does body painting. But it's very PG body painting. She just does her face and her shoulders. And she's absolutely wonderful at it. She started doing Twitch TV about six months ago. And she has now made it into a full-time career. Wow. She has been written up almost in every major newspaper in Alberta. And she has got news crews from Germany to come in and see her. They've flown news crews in from Germany to her house to film her doing her body painting. Wow. Something that would have been impossible even two or three years ago. She is now made into a full-time career. And again, it's Twitch TV at K-Pike Fashion. The second person I want to talk about is a lady whose handle is Fady Lace. She is a wonderful drawer. And again, she's in rural Alberta. She has a job, but she just enjoys drawing. And one of the wonderful things about Twitch TV is you can build a community on Twitch TV. Right now, she has a very small community of about 25 hardcore followers who who go with her. She comes on, she draws, she talks to the people. She's building her own community. Nice. Using live, effectively live television to build her own channel and to build her own community. At the same time, she's starting to bring in a little bit of an income from it. Not, she's not making a million dollars, but she's doing well enough that she can continue to do her channel. She's going for record. Uh, as of currently, she's at 61 days in a row she's broadcast every day. Hmm. And, and she's built up a wonderful little system, and she's a wonderful person. So I'd recommend everybody follow those two people. That's, it's, it's so interesting to to hear those recommendations because I always thought of Twitch as just the video game, like watching guys play games, right? Absolutely, and it was for years. Um, recently, Amazon bought them out, and this, this gives you the numbers. Amazon bought them out for $960 million, okay? Nearly $1 billion to buy a channel that was just for gamers to watch other gamers. Mm-hmm. But Amazon did a wonderful thing. They added in creative, and they added in music, and it, is, it caused Twitch to explode. And there are now so many creative people from all over the world on there. It is, imagine this concept. Now, this is hard for people to imagine. You have a family get-together or a party going on, and you want live music. You can now go to Twitch TV and choose almost any format of live music you could possibly want, put it on your television, and interact with the star anywhere in the world to play music just for your party. And all you'd have to do is like uh, donate $100 to him and he's happy to play music for your party all the way through. So it can be a thing that puts the artists more in control of their careers. Absolutely. Now every individual artist, and that's why I want to make this complex, is I want every individual artist to have control over their own career. You don't have to go through channels anymore. You don't have to be the guy who goes and hangs out with the CBC or hangs out with CTV. If you have talent, you can make money at your art now. Yeah. And any city... Any province that is the first at helping these people will create such a magnet for new talent and young entrepreneurs, you'll take over the entire industry. Yeah. So what advice would you have for someone who wants to 
turn their art into an entrepreneurial enterprise? What do they need to do? Social media. Uh, it's all about social media. Um, the very best one, I would say, go look at K-Pike Fashion. And mm -hmm. I will give you, again, I'm not an artist. I have a business degree, I have an MBA, and an IT degree. I know 25 different programming languages. Right. What you want to do is you want to build your social media profile. And that means just treat it like it's a job. If you want your art to be a job, treat it like a job. If you want it to be a part-time job and get paid like it's part-time and take the same amount, only give it a couple hours every week. If you want it to be a full-time job, try to put in 40 hours a week. You put in 40 hours a week, in no time you will start having a very nice following. Kay Pike only started her Twitch TV channel about six months ago and only started body painting about eight months ago. Huh. And she now is making, well, I don't want to say how much she's making, but it is a very good living off of body painting. Kay Pike's wonderful. She will take her body painting that she does for 5 to 12 hours, and she will go for 12 hours. She will then take that 12 hours and go and do a photo shoot and put out those photos. She will then take that photo shoot and the 12 hours and cut them up into YouTube videos and put them out on YouTube. She will then take that photo shoot and sell prints. And so she will take one media outlet and split it into 12. Yeah. And at the same time, the whole time she's doing Instagram and Snapchat and putting stuff up on Facebook. So it's a lovely way to build an audience. And then the best way, again, if you're looking to make an income on this right now, Twitch TV. Twitch TV is probably a thousand times more profitable than YouTube. Interesting. And I'm not exaggerating. It is a thousand times more profitable on YouTube. The big difference is, is you have a donation button. The donation button allows people to give you money immediately. And Twitch doesn't take any of that. Oh, really? Yeah. It is a wonderful thing. The other place you could do something like this would be Patreon. Right. Where you can go and get a patron's. Um, again, there are some wonderful people. I was just looking at another lady, and I forgot her name, but she's a cosplayer, most famous cosplayer in the world. But she is making, just on Patreon right now, a quarter of a million dollars U.S. Wow. Just in donations. That's amazing. <laughs> in one social media outlet. This is not... The industry you were with five years ago where you just did this for love. Yeah. This is a money-making industry now. Well, thanks for coming to talk to me today. It was very interesting to hear about all of this. Uh, you can learn more about the Museum Project at themuseumproject.ca and follow the project on Twitter at Yeg Museum and on Facebook. These links and Jim's recommendations will be in the show notes at seenandheardyeg.com. Subscribe to my newsletter at seenandheardyeg.com for complete coverage of Edmonton's blogs and podcasts and other new media. This recording was made on 101 Day through Make Something Edmonton, and you can check out all the projects at 101day.makesomethingedmonton.ca. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.